0: Um, my name's Nicola Marshall. For those of you who don't know me, I think probably a lot, lot of you do. Um, I'm up here sometimes in the worship team, and it's a great privilege to be part of that. Um, I've been in this church for about 28 years, um, and I was 17 when I first came in this church, so I was thinking as the plimmers were sat there, um, you know, that that would have been me, me with my family all those years ago. Uh, I'm 45 next year in February, February the 5th, if you want to write it down. Um, <laughs> And got it, got it? Yeah? Okay. Um, and so really I've grown up in this church, I guess. I've been part of the youth, part of the uh, the young adults and, and and now part of the I don't know what I am now, part of the <clears throat> middle aged lot, yeah, over forties. Um, and it's been a great experience to be part of this church. We have gone on an incredible journey. Um, and as a family, for those of you that don't um know us, there's my husband and I and we have three children, uh, they're three adopted children, uh, Sarah Dylan, and Thomas who are part of this church as well and we've gone on a journey uh, as well as you can imagine over the last six, like, nine years that we've been involved in adoption. Uh, there's been lots of highs and lots of lows as well and I know Martin and Hen they're just about to start that journey and there's probably been highs and lows in this year already hasn't there? But one thing that's been really uh, um, apparent for me through this journey is just how important this church family is. Just how important it is to be part of a really good, strong uh, church structure like we have here. Um, And as Martin talks about, the eco-map that you do when you go through fostering and adoption, where you put out all your... Um, support structure that's around you. Very often, um, certainly for adopters, as you go through the process and you have children, that support structure changes. The people drop off for a number of reasons and more people come on and it becomes a different structure at at the end. But it's really important to have that structure around you. Um, And we're going to talk a little bit this morning about adoption fostering, but also we're going to talk about the family of God and just how important it is for any children to be part of a family like we have here um, today. So please, if you're thinking, you know, we're not at a stage of wanting to open our home to children, please don't shut off. This is for you as well. Because it is about going beyond the wall and beyond the family. And that means the church family as well as our own kind of nuclear family. Every relationship that we have has the power to either confirm or challenge what's gone before. So for children who've had a difficult start in life, every relationship they have with an adult after that either confirms what they already know, i.e. that adults are mean, cruel, absent, self-absorbed, stern, distant, disconnected, dangerous, judgmental or apathetic, or it challenges their blueprint that maybe adults can be engaged, maybe they can be present and trustworthy, Maybe they can be caring, and fun, and safe, interested in them. Maybe they can be compassionate and loving. The relationships that children have with all adults are so vitally important. We all have three core assumptions for good mental health. The first one is that the world is benign. That means that the world is ultimately harmless. That the world is meaningful, that we have purpose, and there's a point to what happens. And finally, that the self is worthy, that we are of value. For children who've had a difficult start in life, and particularly have been in a dangerous home environment, those core assumptions have not been realised for them. The world has not been harmless or meaningful, and they don't feel worthy. Um, Andy Hancock, our youth um, pastor, talked a while ago about the um, ratios of adults to children that you have to have when you're doing kind of youth work. And it really stuck with me, one of the phrases that he used. He said that for small groups, you have to have one adult to five uh, young people. But he said, really, that should be turned around. In terms of um, the amount of positive, influential adults that a child needs in their life is at least five. Now, that might be their parents, hopefully. It might be grandparents. It might be a teacher. It might be a neighbor. And, of course, it could be somebody in the church, So it's not just those called to children and youth work or those who have children themselves, but all of us are called to be part of the family. The family of God has different markers to our natural families. What are those markers? We're going to look at a few Bible verses now. In Ephesians 2, verse 19, it says, So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. We are all part of God's family, brothers and sisters together, none higher than the other. There's no sibling rivalry in God's house. For those of you that have children, you'll, you'll know that that's a good thing. That means that we're all mothers and fathers too. I believe when the Bible talks about families, he not only means our natural families, but the family of God also. Psalm 127 verse 3 Says, Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. How blessed is a man whose quiver is full of them. It's a strange um, ter- turn of phrase, I guess. But if we could go beyond our family, beyond our natural family, then all the children we see are part of our quiverful. The 100 plus in the children's department, the 200 plus in the youth club on a Friday night. All could be part of Zion's family. Our relationships with them will confirm or challenge what has gone before for them. Proverbs 22, verse 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. We're called to train um, children and young people about God's love and what is right through what we say and through our actions. Exodus 10, verse 1 to 3. Says then the Lord said to Moses, Go to Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the heart of his servants, that I may perform these signs of mine among them, and that you may tell in the hearing of your son and grandson how I made a mockery of the Egyptians, and how I performed my signs among them, that you may know that I am the Lord. He's talking here about telling stories about God's faithfulness to the younger generation. We've done that recently, I guess, with the thirty fifth anniversary, telling those stories of how we came about. But wouldn't, how much more powerful would that be if that was a personal story? As you got to know a young person, to tell them how you became a Christian, tell them some of the struggles that you might have had uh, when you were a teenager. They probably won't believe you, you know, say when I was young, but it's true, we've all had those challenges at some point. Titus 2, verse 3 to 5. Uh, and I will say, before I read this, that there's, there's a... <laughs> There's a chapter on this, I didn't want to read the whole chapter, but before it does talk about older men, so I'm not leaving you out. But older women, likewise, are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, not enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good, that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be sensible, pure workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be dishonored. And really, what he's talking about here is that older women and men are to be role models. And you have to get close to people for them to really see and experience how you live and to see you as a role model. For children who have not had great role models in their home in their early years, they need to see what it means to be part of a loving family, what it means to love your partner, what it means to be in good relationship with each other. One of the characteristics of a loving family is grace and we've sung quite a bit about it this morning. God has shown us so much grace and does every day, but how do we extend that to others, especially those different from ourselves? With grace, we can open our homes and our hearts to to difference, but when children are showing extreme behaviours, how do we feel? When they won't sit still during a service, when they greet you with a punch or a kick, when they blank you on the stairs when you say hello, when they are cartwheeling down the aisle during prayers, when they run off after a meeting and can't be found, when they shout at you that everyone hates them, and on and on. And actually, I had a kind of very up-to-date experience of this in church recently, Um, and I'm conscious of this, but I was sat over over there where all the young people normally sit, see you're all young over there, you've chosen to sit in the young section, and it was during the 35th anniversary service when everybody was in, um, and I was with a lot of, of the young people, mine included, who were struggling with sitting still, going to the toilet no, numerous times, messing around with each other, um, you know, playing with a Rubik's cube. That was one of my sons, and saying I'm bored all the time. Um, and it's really challenging sometimes, isn't it, to have the grace and to think, you know, they are in, they're in our family. Um, and they're struggling with being able to sit still and to take things in. Um, but we have to extend grace to them to be, for them to be able to, um, to to move on. And I often wonder how Jesus would react if he were here physically in person. How would he respond to a child's anger or a child's apathy? Um, unfortunately, sometimes the church family struggles in this area. And I'm glad that Martin talks about understanding because I think it is about trying to understand where everybody's from, not just um, vulnerable children, but all of us. We have different backgrounds and different things going on in our lives, and to really understand where somebody else is coming from can be difficult at times. Um, even though this today is part of our series of Beyond the Wall, it is actually um, what is called throughout the, the country Adoption Sunday, um, and this is where there are lots of churches up and down the country who are doing similar things than we are. There's 200 plus churches who've signed up to do something specifically about adoption and fostering today, um, and there's a real move in the nation to try and encourage more Christians to, to foster and adopt, and I think that's brilliant. Because we have a hope, don't we? We have something more than being able to offer a good home. We can offer a, a transformation, a, a life that can be changed. Um, but with that comes struggle and comes challenge. As we've said, uh, as where we are in our vision to be church for the unchurched, that is going to bring challenges and it brings mess as well. Um, and unfortunately, in, in churches up and down the country, the challenges are coming out for churches. Um, I want you to listen right now to some experiences that some people have had up and down the country this is not in our church um but some things that good and not so good some things that people have said uh, as they've been involved in adoption and fostering the church leadership and personal friends helped us pray through initial decision to adopt and they were very supportive please try to look beyond the naughty behavior you'll probably find a child who is frightened and overwhelmed. Our three foster children have been with us for two years now. They regularly come to church with us, but no one has ever invited any of them round to play with their children. Foster children will almost certainly not have experienced anything like a church meeting before. As a result, they are unlikely to behave in the way expected of children who have been attending with their parents for years. When we hit a really bad patch, the church pulled out the stops to support us practically. When we have to say goodbye to a child who is going back home or onto adoption, we feel an agonising wrench. Please don't say, oh I could never foster, I could never let them go. It feels as if you're saying that we are heartless or don't love them. I just want to read one more for you, and this is quite a long um, story. This is um, somebody's experience in church. We've been coming to our new church for almost a year now and want to say what a positive experience this has been for us as a family. Our youngest child is adopted and has an ambivalent attachment style, which means one of her main drivers is to be noticed in any way, shape or form. This has meant in the past that we have sometimes felt judged on things like behaviour and parenting. And not quite fitted into the social norm the overriding feeling at our new church has been one of acceptance a place where everyone is welcome whatever their background or circumstances it's been a place where we haven't felt judged and that difference and difficulties are embraced and people have gently come alongside to support us through some difficult times nowhere has this been more apparent than in the fantastic youth department who, right from the first day we came along, have welcomed our two very different girls, linking them in with peers and relating to them where they're at. The leaders have come to us as parents to find out how they can help and support them practically, and they have felt included, valued, and most of all, liked by everyone they have come into contact with. This is great to know that they are linked in with people who are actively wanting the best for them and are safe and cared about. You can't imagine how that helps us as a family to find a haven where we know we are loved, valued, supported practically and spiritually, and feeling at home in such a short space of time. We feel the grace that has been extended to us and other families in similar situations by this church family has been crucial to us feeling valued, supported, and part of God's adopted family. Isn't that great? And I'm really pleased and proud to say that that's a family in our church who have come to our church this year. And that's been their experience of what, you know, what, how people have come alongside them and helped them in this church. So we're doing loads of things right. And you'll be aware, I think, as the Plymouths have said, from, from, even in this year from last year, um, there's been more people coming to the church or more people in the church stepping forward to foster and adopt. We now have eight families I'm aware of that adopt or foster in this church, um, and that represents a number of children who are coming through our youth department. Um, but as more people start to come into this area and see that actually we, we have a great resource here and we can do, make a difference, it means that as a church we need to be um, more supportive if we possibly can. So I just want to talk about three areas that I think we can really help... Um, as a church as individuals but also as a body and one of them is compassion we need compassion to understand the impact of what has gone before in a child's life what they already know to be true about themselves and their relationships um, read up on some things there's lots of books out there stay curious about what's behind their behavior don't judge If you think of the story that Leon told a few weeks ago of um, a man with his children on a train, I don't know if some of you you remember, Um, he was on a train somewhere and the children were being um, unruly, they were running around and messing around and it was creating a a disturbance for other people on the train and somebody approached the dad and said, look, you know, could you do something with your children, could you control them please? And he said, yeah, I, I, I don't know what to say really, we've just come from the hospital, their mum has just died an hour ago and, you know, they, they're they not coping and I don't know what to do either. You know, so sometimes we really have to step back, don't we, and think, you know, we just don't know the full story of what's going on for people. Um, I want to read a, a, a poem to you, and this is from a man called Dan Hughes, um, who's kind of renowned in the area of adoption and fostering. He's um, a child psychiatrist from the States who works primarily just with adopted children. Um, And he wrote um, a a poetry book a while ago that's his kind of reflections of his experiences with children and uh, the carers that they're with. And this is is, um, after he spent some time with a particular child. Uh, You ask why I act as I do. My screaming, throwing, hitting, I think that I should know, but I don't. My actions, they call them compulsive, impulsive, repulsive, keep bursting out of some nameless, chaotic, broken place that you call myself. You say that they are intentional, though I don't know if I've ever had an intention, if you mean a clear motive that follows from my own interwoven thoughts and feelings. You talk about thoughts and feelings as if I had any idea what you're talking about. I guess I have them since you say so, but I just cannot find words or even pictures for them. If you want to help me, help me to stop what I'm doing, you will have to go with me into the inner space that is me. You will have to join your thoughts with mine, your feelings with mine. Give me words for those moving forms within me. If I let you discover and name those inner places in me, I will feel terror that you might name them disgusting or evil. Understand why I hesitate. If you can accept what you find in me and believe it to be of value, I may learn to do the same. If you join me inside and help me to arrange the parts inside, name, understand, and even be proud of them, we will know why I do what I do. And we will discover what I now can begin to do. That's quite powerful, isn't it? To me, really, that talks about how important it is to have that compassion for children and to try and be where they are instead of trying to always pull them to where we are. And to do that, we need to connect. And that's our second point, really, connection. We need to make a real connection with children. How could we go beyond the wall in this? Well, how about we all take responsibility, all of us, not just the children and youth teams, but all of us to connect in some way to a young person? Why not invite them round for tea? Why not talk to them about football or music? Why not pray for them, but tell them that you're doing that too? And then finally, commitment. This is a lifelong journey. Many vulnerable children grow up to be vulnerable young people and vulnerable adults. The blueprint of their internal working model is so ingrained that they need to see time and time again that we're challenging those beliefs constantly. Really pushing into the free world is about taking risk and being committed to the lifelong adventure. You may not be able to open your home to, um, to foster or adopt, but could you consider being a respite person for somebody who does? You may be able to commit to take a child out once a week, once a month, every month. Build a relationship with them so that they can develop those five adults around them. I was talking to some uh, friends of mine in in Worcester a while ago who, uh, a Christian family in a church there, and they adopted two children a number of years ago, and they were really, really struggling at one point. And they went to their church family and they said, Uh, look, we're really struggling, the the wife um, had had to leave work because of the stress. Um, And uh, the church family came around them and helped practically, they cooked for them, did some cleaning, and they did some respite with the children. Um, And one of the things that they set up then, and they've been doing it even to this day, is another family in the church said that they would uh, commit to get to know these girls and they would have them um, for a weekend a month every month. So those girls go to that house every month. And for those parents, knowing that that is coming up every month is a real, uh, is a real help. I know for some of you who've, who've got birth children are thinking, oh, that would be great. I'd love to do that. Can, can I sign up for that? But I really do believe that the church is the hope of Christ on this earth. We have so much to give. And when we can really go beyond the wall, then as you look back, there's no wall to be seen. As we open our homes, our lives, and our church doors to vulnerable children and families, then we can really make a difference and help break the cycle for children. Because that's what it's about, isn't it? It's about bringing children into that place where they can be transformed by God and can break the cycle of what's happened in their lives. Let's pray. Lord, help us to open our doors to vulnerable children, young people and adults. Help us as a body of people to take responsibility for those who need us. Show us ways that we can do that as individuals and as a body of people. We pray for all those vulnerable children and families that are connected to this church. Please show them your grace through those around them so that they might come to know your grace personally for themselves. Amen.